Um, let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, for this day, uh, we do, we give you great and humble thanks. And pray, Lord, now that you would give us, um, place in us, uh, that peculiar longing, that ache for the revelation of the Son of Man. Um, Lord, bring that to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are, um, we're asking earlier, that everybody else heard, uh, we've asked, is this part two of last week's class or two weeks ago? And it's all confusing. It doesn't really matter. Each one of these hopefully stands by itself. That's my intent. Uh, uh, but technically, it's part two of the class from two weeks ago, as I then went in Joe's, the series that Joe Gibbs is doing um, last week. But uh, they're all sort of tied in. If there's a theme um, with the, the idea of, the, of, of Christmases long, long ago, Spencer nailed it when he came into my office and, and we were talking about it. And I said, what does that title evoke from you? And he got the word nostalgia immediately. And that's what I had in mind. So in that sense, you know, at least I titled the class in the, hey, Meryl, um, titled the class in the ballpark that I'm hoping to evoke. Uh, nostalgia, that peculiar um, sense which the cynic in me, which is the predominant part of me, uh, could be real... Uh, cynical about that nostalgia, you know, oh, what's the usefulness of nostalgia? That's just a marketing technique. Uh, it's just a way of, of capitalizing on Christmas to commercialize Christmas and take Christmas back to just a, a, a way of pulling a heartstring in order to get me to spend more money, etc. and so forth. And I believe all that. That's true. That's what's happened. Um, but let's not blame the market for our nature. Uh, it's our human nature. It's my nature, which is uh, is able to be capitalized upon, um, and in a deeper sense, I think nostalgia, which has as a compound word, uh, the two words of a of a of a longing to return home, and then an ache, and so it's that ache for homewardness. It's that ache for home. Uh, at that level, um, that's God given, and that's been the primary sort of word in this class of Christmas is long, long ago, uh, and then. Briefly, the one I did last week, uh, to pursue that idea that nostalgia, this this aching for home, is in fact very. Uh, now we're at the center of of a New Testament, of an old and New Testament witness um, for this uh, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. For we are resident aliens, um, strangers in a strange land, sojourners. Uh, that our citizenship is in heaven. Um, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Um, all these different ideas that are captured so quickly and so easily in our non-Christmas sort of ways are, are held up with this idea of nostalgia. Um, big theme in C.S. Lewis, for those of us who are Lewis Files, uh, what he called sin sucked, and which he later put into the idea of, of joy, um, which is what his autobiography is primarily about. All this is in the way of just repetition and bringing this back into where we are. And then the last play on words um, is... Uh, with this idea of Christmas is long, long ago, and I knew it was going to be a two-part, and I thought, well, this is good, because always I hope to have um, a scriptural witness, and the two early Christmases, the Christmas stories in Luke and Mark, uh, uh, those would be the Christmases long, long ago. So with that, let me pass out the Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew as we looked at Luke last time. Um, would you mind? That'd be great. But, yeah, you know, I'll enlist some help here. Um, would you mind, Spencer? Beginning, thanks. Um... So as you get one, you can turn to Matthew 1. Um, 
uh, and we'll look at that. That's right. Um, two weeks ago, we looked at, at the uh, the story in Luke. They're really pretty different. Um, we often so, uh, and for good reason, we, we combine the two to get the whole story. But but each has their different emphasis. Uh, Luke it'd be hard to sort of characterize this. It's it's much longer. He's much more sort of the Christmas story gospel, the one that we hear about uh, the Annunciation. Um, Mary plays a central figure. This is where we get the Magnificat and the Mary's song. Um, hey, Charlotte. Um, uh, this is where we hear about the manger and the angels appearing to the shepherds and, you know, just the, the, the parts of the story that we're a little bit more familiar with. No, I'm not, I'd stop short of saying it's sweet because there's a lot in there that's not sweet at all. And that's what we tried to highlight. Matthew's very different. Um, there are no shepherds. Uh, uh, Mary takes a very de-emphasized role. Joseph assumes this much stronger position. Uh, the central figure is God, God the Father, um, and His providential care for the infant uh, uh, through the very the, the, the bloodletting of Herod. Um, this is Herod's story. This is Herod's gospel. Well, that's not true either. Mark's in there, um, but this is the story of a. Uh, 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 very much taps sort of the subversiveness of Christmas. So. Great ring, Allison. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, so with that, that was all just filler. I'll let you all turn the page. So. <laughs> um, Matthew 1, 18 through 2, 23. Again, uh, let it fall on our ears, just the, the whole of the story, and, and pick up some points. It's, an, it's, a, it's interesting. It's really not much. It's certainly much more than that. But for today... Uh, uh, I'm not going to dwell on it, just what's interesting about what's not here in Matthew as much as anything else. But starting at, at, uh, at Matthew 1, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. Watch how, how, uh, how slight, really, the birth is. Um, now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. Immediately before you can see, Matthew starts by laying out the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and then he, then he comes, just a transition point. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he can... Now, now Joseph, not Mary. That's really the only mention of Mary. It's going to be Joseph that takes the, uh, the stage here for the, for the rest of chapter 2. But as he, Joseph, considered these things, um, he's waiting and he's, and he's in weakness. This is... Uh, this is the position Mary assumes, mostly in Luke, waiting for the Lord to be born as the, the angel announced to her that she would be great with child and this child that is conceived within you is from the Holy Spirit. Mary was the one who was waiting. Now it's Joseph. Um, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Jesus means God saves, form of Joshua. Um, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This comes from Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And that's it. That's, that's all the birth in Matthew. There's no manger. There's no shepherds. Uh, it's just that an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph did as he was told. They named him appropriately as the as the, the boy was born, as he was supposed to be born. And then that's it. That's the birth. But it continues. The visit of the wise men, who aren't in Luke's story. The wise men aren't. And now it's, um, I would say, the... Uh, the protagonist becomes the father, God the Father, where um, it's it's the protection of God uh, with uh, it, it's 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 God protecting the infant Christ. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came from to Jerusalem, saying. Now, the story we usually think of this that they're arriving about the time that the shepherds did, and it's the baby, and you know, and all that, and he's still in the manger, and that's. Probably not true. This is somewhere up to probably when Jesus is somewhere between you know a few weeks and two years old. Um, the two reasons: one is the, the dating of it. Um, uh, now, after Jesus was born, and so it's not say while or sort of in the period when he was born. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, so that's the marker to give us a date that, that Herod, um, right about the time that Jesus was born, is when he assumed. The, uh, the kingship, this is early in his role, wasn't really a king, but his, uh, as, the, uh, as the, the, the ruler over that part of Judea. Um, and then later, of course, he's going to slaughter the innocents, all the children under two. He did that knowing, as he placed the date from the wise men's um, interview, the interview of the wise men, and we'll see that, that it was probably within the last two years. And so Jesus is really sort of a young child about the time of the wise men. That's just all trivia. You don't really know that. Um, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Here's the prince of peace being the disturber of the peace. Herod was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. That's a throwaway line. And I have no idea what it means. And Herod was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Uh, Herod, being a non-Jew, got the Jewish people around, the Old Testament authorities, and said, what's, what's this supposed to be? Uh, and they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet Micah, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is Herod doing a Google search. This is Herod doing his work to, uh, to get things kind of pieced together. And then Herod, uh, the, the, the hard and maniacal Herod. When I think of Herod in this part of the story, in my head, I don't know who y'all think of, but you remember, it dates me, um, the first Die Hard. Who was the, who was the, um, the bad guy? Sort of the German accent? Yeah, yeah, the Austrian guy. I think of that voice. What, who is it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's who it is, Hans Schroeder. I think of Hans Schroeder's voice, because when he, when he talks here, and we, we, we hear this like in Lessons and Carols, and it's like Herod is, is, is actually wanting to come and worship Jesus. When you find out, tell me too, so I may come and worship. Well, that's not what he's doing. This is Hans Schroeder acting like he wants to, and it's this really subversive, evil uh, intent, and I can't, I can't pull it off. So as I'm about to read it, 
hear Hans Schroeder. Because when Herod says this, it's pure, um, it's pure evil. Alan it's Richter. conniving. Alan Richter, that is right. Good pull. Wow, that's great. See, he's got an iPhone. That's what they're for. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. This is the clan. No, Matthew really takes the clandestine, the subversive entry of God into the world. Matthew really kind of capitalizes on this. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So, like two years ago and all that. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, and this is, this is the Alan Rickman, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Uh, that's not true. Uh, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw that, uh, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, if this happens, as the drama of the story is unfolding, uh, and Herod sent them off on this clandestine mission where he thought he pulled the wool over their eyes to go find out, because I too want to know the king of the Jews. I want to worship him as well. But they being warned in a dream, and they don't do what he asks, and they return to their homeland in the far east by another way, Herod's ticked. Um, so, hence the flight to Egypt. Now, when they departed, and this is all going to be the fulfillment of several Old Testament prophecies. Now, when they, the, the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, and Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night. Remember the secrecy that still goes on. There's... Theologically, I tie this into the hiddenness of God, to the idea of God breaking in from his left-handedness, and we're going to really see that in a moment with the idea of, 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 of nostalgia, of God not doing what's expected, showing up in the most unexpected places, um, doing things as you would not expect, even as we have what we thought was the manual, uh, not Emmanuel, the manual, all the Old Testament prophecies, and people thought, I get it, and then they didn't get it. Which is to say, we get it, but we don't get it. We don't get it. We don't get it. Um, but God uh, brings us to a death so that we get it, so that we receive. That's, that's where I'm headed today. So this is all foreshadowing with the, this sense about to hear one of the most horrific parts of the New Testament, the slaughter of the innocents. Um, and there he remained until the death of Herod. Well, we're, we're going to stop. Um, verse 14. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, again Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son. And this is the story of, uh, of an Herod. And then Herod, um, going back up, not after, uh, uh, as they were fleeing to Egypt, um, uh, then Herod, when he had saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men. Now Bethlehem and the surrounding region, it was, it was tiny, it was small, so the, you know, it doesn't matter. There's no minimization here. Uh, it wouldn't have been 
uh, hundreds and hundreds of, of, of children that were killed. Um, but still, just a uh, uh, it, it, there's nothing new under the sun. We're not getting any worse uh, in the 21st century or the horrors of the 20th century. Ethnic cleansing, um, attempts at genocide, um, some attempt at erasing a name or a race. This is old strategy. It has been around for a long time. Herod was good at it, and he sent and did the bidding. Um, uh, he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled uh, what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentations, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. And when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Being warned in a dream, he withdrew, Joseph still, Joseph withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, as he would be, that he would be called a Nazarene. And so all this sets up then John the Baptist in, in, Mark, in, in Matthew 3. And, uh, and again, theologically, and then we're going to pause, let some comments come, and then we'll look at, some, uh, uh, at, at, um, at a hymn, at a poem, and a little bit of It's a Wonderful Life, because I said last time, uh, borrowing heavily from Paul Zoll and his merciful impasse material, uh, if you want to get in touch with the root of what's stirred in this heartache, this nostalgia, this sinsuit, he would say, <laughs> I thought it was funny, uh, he said, start listening to Journey. <laughs> um, in other words, get into art. Get into something which has that lateral motion that lets us connect, not from the front door, because again, God's working in a subversive way. God's working, not frontally, but really from the back door. If we can't get all the way to the back door, at least go to a side. And so connect to a piece of art. did that last week in my class in the, in the library. Today, um, get into a hymn. Get into a poem. Get into a movie. Get into something that makes you cry. Get into something that makes you angry. Get into something that makes you say, what? You know, where it just totally left, left handy, where you didn't see it coming, and you're, and, you're, and you're hit, and you don't know what that is. Find a good piece, a, a, good, photo, a, good, uh, a good photograph. Find, find something. But I'm encouraging people, pretty strong encouraging myself today, uh, to find something to get there and then say, how did I get here, and what's the Lord doing? Um, because theologically, this is, a, this is the way you sort of you know, theologize and think theologically, here's the Holy Family, Joseph and Mary and Jesus, the child Jesus, um, uh, wanting to go back to Judea, um, to Galilee, but being warned in a dream not to do that, they forego that and they say, I'll be a displaced person, a squatter. I'll be someone uh, who has no home and go to a place where they have no roots, Nazareth. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Does anything good go into Nazareth? Uh, and that's where they go. 
to the place, as John would say in another, in another context, um, the Holy Spirit, warning them in a dream, the Holy Spirit leading them to a place they would really rather not go. But they go. Uh, you know, having the experience of Herod uh, recently on your mind is probably good uh, uh, motivation, uh, but nonetheless, there's a real human element here that they, they don't go home. They don't go to the place that they know. They don't go to the place that's comfortable. They, um, they are taken to a place of, uh, of disturbance, um, to a place of dis-ease, to a place of, uh, where there's a lack of peace, definitely an on-edgedness. Um, that's going to be, I hope, the work of, of uh, the Holy Spirit displacing us at Christmas um, as we uh, get into this thing that is cathartic, which means cleansing, or abreactive, which means that we react against something uh, 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 in my, my, my counseling world. The psycho- psychological definition is a great one of abreaction is the sometimes violent expulsion of, uh, of unconscious material. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> the sometimes violent expulsion of unconscious material. This is when you're sitting around talking to somebody and they call you dad, and you're like, <laughs> my father's here, but, you know, no, no. Uh, we're suddenly like, why did she just call me her father? You know, it's like, well, that's called abreaction. That's what's going on. There's all sorts of things happening. Um, the sometimes violent expulsion of unconscious... Anyway, I'm all over the map, aren't I? Um, but nonetheless... Uh, we're going to try to get into journey. We're going to try to get into something because they got into something that was totally not of their doing. Um, Jesus and Joseph and Mary, as they return out of Egypt, not back to Galilee, but to to Nazareth. Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Does anything good go into Nazareth? So, any thoughts? Hit a pause. That's our text works. This is this would be more Christmassy, but not not really. Um, um, as I said in passing, uh, nostalgia, this 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 ache for home, um, this God-given ache, which uh, uh, my first reaction would be to say, God, satisfy this desire. Um, and as I said two weeks ago, no, it, it, that's the wrong prayer. Um, the prayer is not, Lord, satisfy this desire. Thanks. Um, for this desire that we have is, is not satisfied in God. It's born in God. It's God-given. This hurt, this ache, these, uh, this anger, these tears, this, um, this sadness. Those are my notes. You can have those, but it's probably not going to help. Um, um, it, uh, it's of God. And I, and I said two weeks ago, and I'm about to say something else, uh, it's born in God, um, and to be able to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear that and to recognize that. This longing, this disappointment uh, is very Advent because it's waiting in weakness. And it's, it's the desire for incarnation. It's the desire for something fleshly right in front of me. Um, if you ever dated in long distance, do you remember that? And you, just were, you were just pine. You were just ache, literally, you'd have that hole right here. Like, oh, could I? You would do anything. And some of us did. We'd drive 28 hours to go see her. Um, uh, it's that deep, deep, deep desire which was born in God. Now, the flip here is uh, 
to now finish, and this is where the cross comes in. This is where there's blood. This is T.S. Eliot that we looked at two weeks ago, that I should be glad of another death. For although this desire is born in God, um, the reverse is not immediately true. This desire is not satisfied in God. It's a different sort of way, and this is the left hand of God in operation. This desire is not satisfied, uh, but it's extinguished. Um, there has to be a death, in other words. This is the word at Christmas, which I know is ironic, um, that Christmas in and of itself is not enough. Uh, God didn't come into the world and just say, okay, now I'm done. He, didn't, he wasn't born in the manger and then, as it were, either speak, because, you know, after all, he's God, uh, or have somebody else speak for him and say, it is finished. Those words came only at the death. Uh, the same way with this desire, this heartache, this anger, this disappointment, this longing, this experience of advent, of waiting in weakness, it's finished only in death. For desire, and this is Luther, you know, a quote I probably use four or five times a year, the thirst is not ended by satisfying it, but rather by extinguishing it. Addicts get this, of course. If you know somebody uh, who is an AA, you would know that alcohol does not satisfy uh, the addict's desire to drink. Um, the only thing that satisfies the addict's desire to drink is no thing. Nothing satisfies the addict's desire to drink. That desire is not satisfiable. It has to be extinguished. It has to be killed. Andrew's good sermon, great sermon today. Similar, uh, we have to die. Um, we have to come to an end of ourselves. This is the ab reaction. This is the nostalgia. This is the end of it all by getting into some art. Um, uh, uh, T.S. Eliot, we won't look at this again, but his journey of the Magi is here. That's what we looked at two weeks ago. Um, let's look at William Dix's um, poem, which was then later set to, to, uh, uh, to a song, of course, with Greensleeves, one of the, the real sweet ones, sweet times, but, but jarring lyrics, especially the second verse. A lot of great hymns have a, a really fantastic second or third verse that are really dark and bleak, and they're the ones that often don't make the uh, the albums these days because they just you know as far as the curse is found as far as the curse is found he's like it's not playing quite right um, what child is this has this as well uh, and it's helpful sometimes I found it helpful uh, uh, this week as I was sitting with this to uh, and I'm going to read it and not not play it because the sometimes the familiarity of the lyric can block it, and so I'm going to try to read it in a way that has the different emphasis. What child is this who, laid to rest on Mary's lap, is sleeping? Remember, one of the great questions in, in the Gospels is, who is this man? Um, uh, who do people say that I am? Christ asked the disciples, and so uh, by some extension we can say, who do you say that I am? The Christological question. Tremendously important. Who is Christ? Is he, is he, um, is he a helper? Is he a guide? Is he a teacher? Is he a swim coach? Or is he um, even more, uh, and Andrew would agree with this, even more than just a lifeguard, but the one who, after I drown, <laughs> pulls my dead body out, stone cold, and breathes new life into my nostrils? Is he that? Is he that? What child is this who, laid to rest on Mary's lap, is sleeping? 
whom angels greet with anthem suite while shepherds watch are keeping. The juxtaposition of angels and shepherds. Remember, shepherds, pretty dirty. Uh, while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King. You know, the answer to the question, this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. And then, you know, great second verse. Why lie he in such mean a state, such an average estate, this, this Christ the King? Why, he, why lie he in such mean a state, where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christians fear, for sinners hear the silent word is pleading. Nails, spear, here's, here's Good Friday and Easter. Nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born, future tense, the cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the Word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So, bring him incense, gold and myrrh. Come, peasant, king, to own him. The king of kings salvation bring. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. Lots of juxtaposition, lots of paradox held in these verses. Um, that trying to get beneath the familiarity will hopefully be a side door. Um, a little abreaction, a little nostalgia, a little catharsis, a little displacement, a little bit of a jar, um, a little bit of being led to the place that I'd probably rather not go. That's um, kind of right there that for some reason uh, Christmas brings out and you wonder why and you think it's just the alcohol and it's probably a little bit more than that. Um, it's probably just a little bit more than that. Any thoughts? Moving to something a little bit more dense, and that's the Auden poem, but uh, um, don't want to move past that. This is the part of the class, by the way, where um, intentionally leaving it oblique as the side door goes, because I can't say what uh, what exactly uh, any one of us would take away. This is where it's the heavy reliance on the Holy Spirit that he, as the author of this, will, uh, will finish it, too. And so here, um, on Mockingbird this week, as probably several of us were, you may have seen this. It's an old post, but it was up there in their, their flipping banner, um, the Mockingbird blog, uh, uh, from a very long um, uh, poem by W.H. Auden um, called For the Time Being, which is written kind of on the incarnation uh, and its themes. This is just a segment of it uh, that, that David Zoll had lifted out. Um, let me see, I had another piece. Somebody know this piece? Let me get you to help if you do. No one? All right. We'll take a stab. Um, from, for the time being. I'm, I'll read it and then we'll go back through. There's a lot of, uh, let's see, I'll flag some themes beforehand. Uh, first three verses are sort of pre-Christian, pre-Christ in other words. Um, a description of, of what we had in Eden before we ate the fruit of the knowledge. The knowledge of good and evil. So in our sort of pre-fall state, our state in Eden, uh, that's the home that our heart pines for as the sort of nostalgia, the, the, the ache for homewardness. That's Auden is tapping, like a lot of poets and artists uh, wants to say. That's what we're trying to get back to. That's what we ache for when we ache. That's what's common in us. This is, this is just the, the common description of of, uh, of being human. And so when he talks about alone, alone, 
there's that. He's going to speak of the law. Where is that law which we broke for our own? That law which was protective. That law which uh, before the fall said, um, not as Eve added to it and say, you shall not eat it and touch it, where God said, just don't eat that. That protective law said, if you don't do that, then you'll remain in an unbroken relationship with me. Um, uh, say, where is that law? Could I have that again, please? I'll have what she's having. Please, just for that, that time where in flesh, remember incarnation, in flesh, we could walk in the cool of the garden with the Father, with God, and be as one. And then the verse 3, the pilgrim way has led to the abyss. This, uh, this fruitlessness of the wandering, the exodus of 40 years, um, that we just wander and we 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 go nowhere. This abyss, this, this portrait of despair, um, that we left our richly odored ignorance, that although we were ignorant, it was richly odored, uh, with all the fruit and the smells, I think, is what he's trying to evoke. He's trying to get here. And then just a great... We're, all do, we're doing all this to get to the fourth stanza. Um, we who must die demand a miracle. That's going to be the line that stays with me for, the, um, uh, for, the, uh, uh, for Christmas this year. That's my, that's my prediction. So, from For the Time Being by W.H. Auden, um, an early 20th century poet. Alone, alone, about a dreadful wood, the wood of Eden. Alone, alone, about a dreadful wood of conscious evil runs a lost mankind, dreading to find its father, lest it find the goodness it is dreaded is not good. Alone, alone, about our dreadful wood. Where is that law for which we broke our own? Where now that justice for which flesh resigned her hereditary right to passion Mind his, his will to absolute power? Gone, gone. Where is that law for which we broke our own? The pilgrim way has led to the abyss. Was it to meet such grinning evidence we left our, high, our richly odored ignorance? Was the triumphant answer to be this? The pilgrim way has led to the abyss. We who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act, the infinite become a finite fact? Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. I mean, there's just so much here that I can only begin to approach. Um, alone, alone, about a dreadful wood of conscious evil runs a lost mankind. For now in our consciousness, the red pill, I guess, in the Matrix world, um, of consciousness um, runs a lost mankind in this dreaded wood, alone, 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 uh, alone in a mass of humanity where it's, it's, our, it's, our, it's our resigned fate for, a, uh, for disconnectedness. Um, dreading to find its father, dreading to find that God is in fact not good, Dreading to find uh, out of our shame and our fear, which is ours through the inheritance of Eve and Adam, that we are hiding. Why? Because what if? Dot, dot, dot. You know, that, that fearful question. What if? Uh, where is that law, that place that we were um, before all this, before we broke our own law, where we're that justice for which our flesh resigned her hereditary right to passion, where we, we willfully traded our, quote, uh, entitlement, our right um, to choose it in my way, to, to have the knowledge of good and evil. Where is that law that kept me 
in that richly odored ignorance. The pilgrim way has led to the abyss, this idea that now um, I am the master and commander of my own fate, so I'm a pilgrim you know, on my way in my own journey. This, this is what I signed up for. This is my fruit. Um, the pilgrim way has led to the abyss. Was it to meet such grinning evidence, the experience that we left, our richly odored ignorance? Was this triumphant answer to be this? <laughs> this is what I signed up for? And then it comes right down to it. We who must die demand a miracle. Uh, how could the eternal do a temporal act? The eternal do a temporal act like being born, being reduced to a zygote, being reduced to uh, uh, being cloistered and sequestered inside the womb of a woman, of a teenager? Where could the infinite become so finite as to be reduced to that level? Uh, to be clear, nothing can save us that is possible. Nothing can save us that is natural. Nothing can save us in this world. Nothing that's here can save us. It's that fantastic. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die, who are wandering and are resigned to the abyss of despair, we who must die demand a miracle. A miracle. It takes something like God becoming uh, the Word, becoming flesh and dwelling among us. This silent word, great play on words that William Dix had, pleading for us that nail and spear shall pierce him through, the cross be born for me, for you. Um, we who must die demand that miracle. Um, so now that sets us up, um, timing-wise, for, uh, for a little bit of It's a Wonderful Life, which I finally saw, thanks to Trent and Hughes, um, for the first time this week. I've never seen it. I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. And now you're not going to convince me to watch The Wizard of Oz, which I've also never seen, so ha! Um, uh, but anyway, I saw it, and I'm going to set this up for that. But any, any comments on that? It's only about a three minutes total, and so it's very short, and hopefully be sort of a feel-good and sets us out in a word of freedom. Um, thoughts? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, as if we could demand. I had that same thought. It's a great play on words. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe, maybe just because the word jarred me just like it jarred demand. What right have I to demand a miracle? Well, Auden's brought me there. <laughs> um, uh, maybe it's the courage of a dying man. He's got nothing else to lose and everything to gain. I demand a miracle. You know, I, 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 have, I have nothing else. You did this. If you're going to save me, I demand a miracle. Because that's it. Nothing that is... Uh, nothing can save me that is possible. I take the impossible. And, of course, that's the word. That it's... it's uh, with God, nothing is impossible. And here's, here's the brief sermon. And then we'll do this. Um, as if everything else wasn't... Uh, it brings us right to the place, thanks, Dee, where it's this discernment. What child is this? Um, the associated question is, what, what child am I? Uh, because those that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Unless I know myself to be the bumbling idiot in the, in the cave that's walking in darkness, uh, if it's just those other people who are walking in darkness, well then, the light coming into the world is nothing more than like a new welfare program. 
that it's going to help those people. But now I'm from this position removed from it, that those that walk in darkness, those that walk in darkness have seen a great light. It also entitles me to have an opinion on it. You know, well, it's not an effective plan, and you know, et cetera, and so forth. And uh, where I'm just looking at, you know, sort of this 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 new uh, idea for progress. Uh, but if the associated question uh, for progress of humankind, for help help people, help the poor people, help the people that need some help. Uh, so the reflection is very much me. Uh, what child is this? What child am I? Who am I? Uh, for unless I see myself as one who walks in darkness, the light which uh, has come into the world and shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, it'll really mean nothing to me. I mean, Christmas then really does become just sort of sweet and saccharine. It's like, well, that's nice. Um, I'm glad that's helpful to some. And it helps me sometimes, too. It helps me remember to be nice to people and to, and to do something else. But that's just not it. That's just not it. Um, those who must die, if you really know that you must die, that you're that far down, uh, that you demand a miracle, that nothing can save me that is possible, it's going to take something impossible, that it's not hard, that the whole Christian program is not about... Uh, well, that sounds awful hard. That sounds really difficult. Well, then, you know, no, it's not hard. It's impossible. And those who must die demand something impossible for anything to happen. And that's, you know, there's a little bit of a piece here. Isn't it great, the bells? I mean, it's just nostalgia coming right through. Because here comes George Bailey and all. You know, and there's a lot to say about this. Um, in fact, I saw a comment at Hughes by it, and, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of tied in with that. I, I would have the same read. I thought the same. It's uh, it's about it's about a guy coming to the end where he's a, he realizes he's as he was contemplating suicide. Those who must die demand a miracle, and then you know all the extra biblical stuff about angels, et cetera, and so forth. That's that's tolerable. Uh, demanding a miracle that something that is impossible has got to happen. Um, and just like Scrooge, just like anything else, and I really do hope that that the upside of nostalgia. I'm rarely uh, uh, accused of, of being feel good, but I hope I hope that it finally breaks through to where there's a, a lightness of being, some joy that comes through in this in this sin sick uh, nostalgia, in this sin sick sensut, uh, in this sin sick uh, pining and longing for home, as I know myself to be displaced. That there'll actually be. Light, which shines in the darkness, as I know myself to be in the darkness, and to say, this is really good. Because that's, that approach is where It's a Wonderful Life is. And so we're going to look at the two parts um, where he's in the bar, and he prays for the first time. He even says, I'm not a praying man. It's about 40 seconds. And then as he's on the bridge, and, uh, and very similar to, to Scrooge waking up after the, the visits of the three spirits, and he realizes it's Christmas morning, and he hasn't missed it, that there's something new. Yeah, Charlotte? The one with Bill Murray? Yeah. yeah. And it was like, anyway, I mean, it's, it's really like good. shocking, yeah. sort of like, I just think, you know, Charles Dickens is smiling in his grave. I think I've never seen a version of The Christmas Carol that's so, like, 
spot on as far as like how radical that sort of like you know he's like going in the fire and it's possible. Right, right. And sort of demanding a miracle. And at the end he's crying. I get it. I get it. Like, Claire, you know. But it's like it's funny, but it's like it's beautiful. Yeah. It's sort of like we should all. It's like a God great experience that just you know. You I agree. Makes me think about all the other versions of Christmas Carol. The Scrooge is like, oh, oh, what have I been thinking? Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> Good. Yeah, highbrow, lowbrow, get into something that's displacing, um, that sort of thing. So here's this, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. Those who must die demand a miracle. And then here's the miracle. Just the first two and a half minutes. First instance of product placement. That's the line I wanted to have. So. <laughs>
You know, and he goes on. Y'all have all seen that, of course. I just never did. I know. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. I mean, that's freedom. That's freedom. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. And that's the sort of thing I'm hoping for, that for us. That, that, I mean, here's nostalgia right behind me, that, that somehow to break through, it's Merry Christmas. I'm going to jail. Um, you know, something like that for each one of us. So let me pray. Gracious Father, uh, take uh, feeble words and transform them so that they would be born through your Holy Spirit to penetrate our stony hearts um, as the light would shine in the darkness and not allow the darkness to overcome it. Uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. See y'all.